Blaming All of Humanity, Party in the Environment series by Zach Muddle. David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet, the critically acclaimed late 2020 documentary, is a powerful watch. Or inspiring natural beauty, captured on film, is interwoven with his signature emotive narration, plus a personal touch from his from this infamous presenter. There's no surprise that environmental call to arms causes ripples. The witness statement tracks a lifetime studying nature, and the continued destruction decline. Humans increasingly dominate and destroy the natural world, consuming more and more of the earth which supports us. The great disaster he focuses on is biodiversity loss, particularly as caused by direct destruction of over-exploitation of ecosystems. This he intersperses, not clearly demarcating, with interrelated environmental crises of global warming and resource depletion. These crises are compared to the general disaster, that is, bad planning and innocent human mistake. His false innocence throughout is most clearly exposed when he recounts how, in his youth, no one was aware of environmental issues or biodiversity loss. All progress in capitalist agriculture is a progress in the arts, not only of robbing the worker, but of robbing the soil, so wrote Marx in the 1860s. Adam Burr is old, but not that old. Yes, environmental science is not the most important thing he could learn from the socialist environmentalist movements. While Attenborough was, on all accounts, a late advocate on action of climate change, to be fair to him, mass environmentalist movements only kicked off seriously later in his life. As previously, a key issue for the natural historian is population. Transitional clips, as we move from one decade of his life to the next, show the clocking up of world population, following by increased atmospheric and carbon concentration, then dropping remaining wilderness. The visual cues have no have sorry have a clear implication that there is a correlation, nay a causation, between these factors. Increasing population, we may then understand, is driving these environmental crises. That too many people existing is at fault follows naturally from the fairy tale notion that humanity is acting in a hum- harmony of interests. Attenborough's film portrays the benefits brought about by chopping down the rainforests, the incentives to deforestation as generalised, benefits by and for the people as a whole. Resistance or contestation, or contestation is absent. This is how accelerating environment destruction, keeping pace with accelerating understanding of its harmful impacts, seems a simple mistake. Humanity has got carried away having too much fun. If, as he contends, humanity has broken loose from our limits, we must ask why and why now? No answer is forthcoming. A Marxist account could do better. I'll sketch one next week. The witness statement does advocate positive environmental changes, phasing out of fossil fuels, limiting fishing, cutting out meat and afforestation and rewilding. It's not clear what policies it advocates for bringing these changes about. As for winning such undefined policies in the first place, while he does touch on environmental movements, the focus seems to be on communicating the urgency of tackling the climate crisis to the rich and powerful. The same class, system, institutions, that is, have got us into this mess in the first place. And to, in the large part, earnestly recognise that climate change possesses significant threats that have responded with inaction, greenwash and hot air. Life on our planet offers valuable reminders of urgency of tackling climate crisis, crises, while simultaneously pushing an intent, sorry, an inert and therefore harmful environmentalism. Capitalist the Culprit, part environmental series by Zach Muddle. Things are harder for our generation than they were for our parents, but in one respect we are luckier than our parents. 
We have begun to learn and are rapidly learning the fight, and to fight not as individuals, as the best of our parents fought, but for our slogans, the slogans of our class. We are fighting better than our parents did. Our children will fight better than we do, and they will be victorious. So I wrote Lenin in 1913 in the working class and neo-mafiusism. This article takes up the review of David Attenborough, A Life on This Planet in Solidarity 580. Fossil fuel, mostly coal, was used for heating before capitalism. Coal is considerably more energy dense than wood or other alternatives, suiting it as a fuel for transport to be transported in towns and cities. This heating was largely domestic, so fossil fuel use was tied to population. The population constraint rules out exponential explosion of fossil combustion. With capitalism, factories developed and expanded a way of disciplining workers and regularised production. Having a single external source, energy source driving its machines rather than muscle enforces a constant pace and yet greater discipline. Automation, and with it de-skilling, helps capitalists to break workers' industrial power more still. External energy sources become even more profitable. At crucial points in the development of capitalism, coal-fired steam power allowed capitalists more freedom to move their factories where they wanted and run them when they wanted than otherwise cheaper and better water power. The freedom to locate factories within densely populated cities gave capitalists access to greater pool of available workers already used to factory discipline and looking for work. This required a much lower investment of cap- fixed capital than building a factory in a village for workers at a good location for a water wheel. The ability to reliably run factories all day, every day, helps capitalists extract the maximum labour from workers, especially when workers won limits on clock time they could be compelled to work for. The introduction and expansion of fossil fuels as the energy basis for production was thus largely a manoeuvre by capital in the offensive against labour. Huge dams and complex security, sorry, and complex systems involving aqueducts could then be provided reliable power, located in a wide range of places, cheaper than steam power. However, that involved more technical planning, interdependence on competing capitalists and required big investments of fixed capital. From the start, fossil fuel economy was fueled by peculiarities of capitalist relations of production. In the last 200 years, global population has grown by a factor of roughly 7.3, while global emissions have grown over 100 times as fast by a factor of roughly 730. The uncoupling of carbon dioxide emissions from population is precisely the problem. Today, one sixth of the world population, all low-income people in the global south, make no... Com- net contribution to global greenhouse gases. The global discrepancy in energy use currently is significantly higher than a thousand-fold. Population, contrary to David Attenborough and the Malthusians, is not the problem. Humanity as a whole is not to blame for climate change. Capital ruling class, not us all, have driven it. Resource depletion and ecosystem destruction are likewise dependent on how society, production and consumption are organised much more than how many people populate that society. Indeed, with more people in a rationally and democratically organised society comes greater resources as dynamic human labour, which can apply the greatest, sorry, the latest of science to work on environmental issues. Short of the overthrow of capitalism, we should approach every new position, person as a potential political agent in transforming society, not simply another mouth to feed. That all said, the rate of global population growth, growth peaked some decade ago, the following current trends, it is often predicted that global population will peak in around a century. I would critique many such models for simplistic ex- 
extrapolation to future population which elides complex social, political and economic factors. That is, capital sometimes contradicts the quantitative and qualitative demands for labour, combined with reactions and resistance to those drives shaped population. The social complexity involved means we cannot assume a reliable smooth bell curve, but such simplistic theories do punctuate the even more simplistic fear of too many people existing, each having too much fun. Attenborough does not follow some populations in, in advocating legal restrictions on reproductive rights, such as the one-child policy. Even less does he follow Malthus, the original population, in accepting death by famine, or, or original populationist, sorry, or, or disease as necessary to keep population in check. Instead, he advocates tackling poverty and raising the standards of living across the global south, helping girls sustain education and empowering them and their reproductive freedoms. These positive changes would unarguably be key aims of the key of any workers' government, and they would additionally slow population growth. Yet the tipping blame towards the global south where population is growing fastest, or the, or the exploited classes who form the American majority of the global population, lets the real culprits off the hook.